This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Favalli, coming at you this time with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, took care of both his kids on his own the day Jimmy Butler got traded slash future, Carmelo Anthony Caper, because Carmelo Anthony's a future Utah Jasmine co-host, Andrew stop, D. Stop. That's not going to work. <laughs> All right, keep going. Um, are you okay? I feel like you're a little salty about that. I know. I, I It's going to take me a minute to adjust. Um, I caught him off guard. We're going to talk about Jimmy Butler, maybe a little bit Carmelo Anthony. I don't know if you heard, but Jimmy Butler was traded um, at a rather inopportune time for both Andy and myself. So shame on the Sixers and Timberwolves for not taking specifically <laughs> mine and Andy's Saturday morning schedules into account. Before we get started, I just want to continue to remind, implore, beg, and plead everyone to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. We are the coolest thing since you found out that sliced bread was a thing or something along those lines. But again, we really do appreciate it, seriously, when we can see those ratings, the number of reviews, and just uh, go up. And then we'd love for you to subscribe. We're everywhere you can get your podcasts, including Spotify, Blog Talk, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We're all over the the whole darn place. Um, But we do need to dive in to this on this early Sunday morning for the both of us. Uh, We're going to talk some Jimmy Butler. Of course, first off, though, we do have to ask Andy. How the hell are you doing? My my intro aside, <laughs> I'm good. And the intro was uh, stellar as always until you had to try to get Carmelo Anthony to the Jazz. I just I, I want to see you have to cape for Carmelo Anthony, and you cape for someone on the Jazz, even though even if you hate them, there's a point in the season where you cape for them every single year. So I, I need to see it. <laughs> I was when you said that I was trying to think of somebody that I was like 100 percent against on the Jazz, and I don't think that's ever happened. So you're probably right. I, there would probably be some point where I'd try to like convince everybody that Carmelo still has something left in his legs, but he's not on the Jazz, so I don't have to do that. Um, Yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. Um, like you said, it was a crazy time for that trade to happen. I was halfway through this new Grinch movie at the movie theater with my daughter, um, and she had to go to the bathroom, so we left, and I you know, naturally, like a great parent, checked my phone as soon as we were out of the... <laughs> theater and i saw 11 missed messages from that whatever that number is that sends you twitter notifications and the very first thought i had was oh man i bet jimmy butler got traded um sure enough that's what (laughs) happened and it it took me a while to kind of process what happened because you know i wasn't i wasn't reacting to it the way that i might typically react to a trade um and I'm still not 100% sure <laughs> how I feel about it. I, I think Philadelphia obviously gets another star. Um, but I'm, I mean, we did that podcast last season where we were 
breaking down the best five-man lineups in the NBA over the course of the entire season, and Philadelphia was comfortably number one. Um, ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Joel Embiid, they were better than plus 20 points per 100 possessions. Last season, that was in the 99th percentile on cleaning the glass. Ironically, uh, I think the Timberwolves' starting lineup last year might have been two. It's definitely in the oh, top three. That's crazy. I don't remember that. Um, but, they, yeah, they, they give up two members of that three-man lineup, and they get back Jimmy Butler, who's really, really good. And he's obviously better than both Jimmy Butler, than both uh, Dario Sarge and Robert Covington. Um, but he's had teammate issues his last three teams now. Um, he's, got, he's got Tom Thibodeau, Miles, on his legs. Um, and his the, heart. Yeah, his heart. Great point. First few weeks of this season have been a circus. Um, I don't, I feel like I'm kind of crapping on the trade. I, I don't think it's bad, but I also, I'm, I'm not sure it's a home run. That's, that's my long rambling first reaction. Well, I think you're right. And this is one of those trades more so than ever that we kind of have to wait to play out and, and see what sort of happens. Um, to that end, just as a review of the package, the Sixers traded Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Jared Bayless, and a 2022 second round pick for Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton, who I must note has broken both of his feet since entering the NBA and hasn't played. But I also caped for him very hard before he came in to the NBA. I don't think he's ever going to factor in uh, into the Sixers' plans, but his team option for next year is declined. I'm just interested to see if he gets healthy, whether he could do anything for a team. Just as one of those bigs who's who could be more mobile in space, the structural stability of his feet notwithstanding anymore. I'm with you in the sense that I understand why Philly went all in. You're still in this developmental stage, but with Markel Fultz struggling, Joel Embiid entering the MVP race, Ben Simmons kind of vacillating between, oh, he has so much more, like, he, there's still so much unfinished about his game, but also he could end up being better than Joel Embiid. It's in this weird territory, and so you go all in on a guy who is willing to resign with you, and he is better than Sarge and Covington. And if you're saying, do you want the next three to five years of Jimmy Butler or the next three to five years of Covington and Dario Saric, I think you probably still take Butler. That being said, that's kind of inside a vacuum. And I think fit is a very important part of the NBA. And the Sixers are not this really sweet shooting team to begin with. And so this and is... That, some, that was two of their best shooters they just traded. Well, Saric used to be one of their best shooters. I don't know what's going yeah. on this season. But, so, but here is the shot selection, though. And this is what I found... I can't call it interesting, but it's potentially alarming. Um, Robert Covington, uh, 85% about of his shots are coming with one dribble or less. About 80%, excuse me, I misspoke. It's like 81 and change percent. For Dario Saric this season, um, over 86%, about 87% of his shots are coming with one dribble or less. Jimmy Butler, on the other hand, only... Less than, fewer than, whatever you want to call it, less than 45% of his shots are coming on one dribble or less. And so I know while there's looks to go around now when you're losing both Saric and Covington, you're replacing them with a ball-dominant player. I mean, uh, almost half of Jimmy Butler's shots this season, I don't want to zero in too much on dribbles, but almost half have come with three or more dribbles. And more than a fifth of his shots have come after seven dribbles. So he, I know the Timberwolves' offense isn't inventive, and Philly generates more off-ball movement than them. And Butler can be a really good cutter. Uh, he's hitting a fair amount of his spot-up threes this year, 36.4%. Uh, 
they just don't account for many of his looks. Is he going to buy into that role? And maybe he will. Maybe that's what he wanted. You don't trust Carl Anthony Towns or Andrew Wiggins to shoulder the offensive load, but you can trust Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to an extent. But when you throw Markel Fultz into the equation now too, someone's someone has to turn into a predominant spot-up shooter. It can't be Ben Simmons. You could use him as a role man more, but that's going to be even harder to do with Joel Embiid on the court as well. Yeah. The fit is, particularly early on, if they had a training camp, Andy, maybe this is different, but now you're doing this fewer than 15 games into the season, and like sort of, there's a chance that this that it, it's still a long term play in, in the sense that the Sixers, I don't think they're there yet this season. They're more, they're definitely they've elevated their ceiling, but I don't know that they've raised their floor by a ton at least this year. And then the future stuff is just it's wild to me because, like you said, the, the Tom Thibodeau miles, how is Butler going to get along with Embiid and Simmons? I it's going to be fascinating to watch. I agree. Um, I think they raised their ceiling too. Did you see the polls I posted yesterday? I did not. I was trying to help my mom's sister move, which is why I was so not aggravated with her, but um, (laughs) she's, she's older, you know, and my mom's not alive. Her brother and her kids are all like out, out of state now. And so not that I've been putting off helping her, but I haven't really been too involved in the process. So it figures that, the one time my wonderful wife gets us involved in it because my aunt and her speak a lot. I was like an hour and a half behind the Jimmy Butler news. And so like I couldn't check Twitter as much as I wanted to. So long story short, I didn't get to see your fantastic polls. Moving can be a bear. That's for sure. Um, kind of like John Wall's contract. Moving on. There. <laughs> Hopefully it's not as onerous as uh, John Wall's <laughs> contract. I, uh, I just asked, do you think the Sixers can win a title this season? And I think the um, the results, I, I think, reflected probably the truth. 86% no. Um, I, I'd probably, in my own mind, be a little bit higher than 80%, 86% on the no side. And then I also asked if, you know, who's the best team in the Eastern Conference? And I had the Raptors, the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Sixers. Um, Toronto. Vince Philly's better than Indy after this trade. Yeah, I <laughs> I guess I, I probably wouldn't be convinced either, actually. Um the Raptors got 70% on that one. The Sixers came in last in that poll, 8%. Um, Bucks 9, Celtics 13. And, I, yeah, you might be onto something there. I'm, I'm not 100% certain they're even better than the Indiana Pacers, who all of a sudden they have a ridiculous big man, too, and Demonis Sabonis. Um, so I, I agree it does raise their ceiling. Um and it'll certainly be interesting to see how they look in the first few games with Jimmy Butler, and maybe we can reevaluate where we stand on this. But I think I probably, um, I probably have the same general ranking in the East too. I think Toronto is still clearly the best team. I've I've thought that for a few months now. Um, I actually think Milwaukee is probably better than the Celtics at this point, though I'm not 100 percent sure on that one. They're definitely uh, better than the Celtics. You don't need <laughs> well, to hedge on that one. I mean, uh, sorry. You said the Celtics. I meant they're definitely better than the Sixers, but that's not what you were saying. So I misunderstood. Yeah, I think I think the Bucks are probably better than the Celtics right now. I don't know if that'll be the case two months from now. I, I still feel like Boston has a chance to figure out whatever is uh, plaguing them. Um, and then at the moment, I'm I'm still not even sure the Sixers are better than the Celtics. So I mean, they're probably in like that four or five range. I don't think they're a title contender, but I, I'm sure they made this deal. Um, 
knowing that it could be like a two or three year thing for them to, to figure it out and truly become a title contender. Uh, but yes, it does raise their, their ceiling. Um, it's just maybe more, which is kind of funny to say that it's more of a long-term play after they gave up Covington and Sarich, Sarich being, you know, a pretty young guy still. Um, but it's going to take them two or three years to, to really figure out this new mix. I think. It's interesting that it seems that ownership was involved per Woj a lot, like Sixers owner, Josh Harris, and then Taylor from Minnesota. And it makes me wonder for the Sixers, what that says about their intentions for the rest of the season, because in my mind, they can't be done with making moves. Yeah. They're shooters. Yeah. They're 16th in effective field goal percentage on the year. They're 29th in catch and shoot effective field goal percentage in front of only the Oklahoma city thunder. And so there are names out there, and I don't know how much more of a desirable landing spot they become on the buyout market with Jimmy Butler. I'm not saying they weren't desirable before. I just don't know if he appreciably, you know, in my mind, and I, I was writing about this, if you're Trevor Ariza and you get bought out, you've gotten your bag from Phoenix this year. There's a chance, your, your value is more of a given. You're not a Marco Bellinelli or an Ersan Ilyasova who kind of needs to, after playing for a bad team, make sure that you're going to get a good next contract. I, I don't know that he would necessarily prioritize playing time. And even if he does, there's going to be minutes available for him in a Houston or a Golden State. And that's, to me, where the risk comes in of waiting on the buyout market, if you want to see what happens with Kyle Korver. Um, I had said this to you, and I wrote about it, and of course it's never going to see the light of day. But when I thought the Sixers were sort of hedging against the future but trying to be in the present, that if they built the package around um, Furkan Korkmaz at – uh, Korkmaz and uh, Jared Bayless for Trevor Ariza, maybe with a second where Phoenix saves more than they would in a buyout, get a flyer on Furcon in a second. That's the type of player they need. They should probably still chase a deal along those lines. Now you have to basically trade Chandler and Furcon for Ariza. Maybe that's something that the Suns would be interested in after December, depending on where they are. Uh, and uh, because I don't know what Chandler's going to look like, you know, he's he's barely been back from his injury. And I, he's not – he could probably help them, uh, like, defensively a little bit, but Trevor Rees is going to do the same things, and he's a better shooter overall, someone who can really just get shots up a little bit quicker, and you never really look at Chandler as someone who can come around screens or just be this really strong spot-up shooter. That's something that they're going to have to chase in my mind. They're also limited, though, because I don't think they've given up on making a splash in free agency this summer. And I did – I updated my cap sheets – um, and they're still going to get to, I have them at about $19.2 million in cap space right now when you factor in minimum holds. And I'm saying they end up with the 15th overall pick their own. And it'll probably be, they'll have a path to 20 because there's a chance their pick isn't 15. I was just trying to overestimate. If you want to, you know, JJ Reddick's been there for two years. I'm probably above market value contracts. What if he's willing to sign for like 8 million on a multi-year deal? And then you're left with another 12 million to throw at, you know, Trevor Reza will be, on the market. Um, I don't know that a Tyreek Evans helps this team anymore. I don't know what Damari Carroll might come cheap. You're not, I don't think you're going to give him 12 million. They'll have options there. And so that limits them to looking at expiring contracts or really cheap ones on the trade market. Maybe they could take a look at Terrence Ross. The last thing I'll say though, is that Chandler's almost their last trade chip, unless you're really going to go just his salary for matching purposes. Like yeah. you could trade Muscala for Kyle Korver, but would, uh, would Cleveland do that? I guess you got to attach Chicago's second rounder this year, and then would Philly do that? Something to consider, I guess. But unless you're going to go for a blockbuster built around Markel Fultz, you're kind of limited with what you can do. You have the Chandler trade chip. You could get really wild if you combine him 
and Muscala and and picks and tr- maybe get an expensive player that teams don't want. But I think you have to explore those routes too because you went in more this season. This while you said it could still be a future play, and I agree with you. You're about to get incredibly expensive this summer, and it increases the pressure for you to do something in free agency because you're not going to have the flexibility to add mid to top end talent with Butler and Bead. Simmons is extension eligible this summer with those guys under longer term deals. Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it um, than what I did. If they stand pat, then I think it's they're they're a couple years away. But you're right; they they need more, <laughs> at the very least, more shooting. Um, so there, I think there's a pretty good chance that this is not a finished product. Um, the one name that people have been throwing around a lot, or at least that I've seen on Twitter, is Kyle Korver, who you mentioned, who would obviously, I, I think he would help them tremendously. Uh, <laughs> I think the ideal lineup for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and they kind of had it last season, was those two guys surrounded by three shooters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they're <laughs> they're not there, especially if they play Jimmy Butler, who's who's he's a good shooter, and I don't even know what he's shooting this year. Um, 38% from three, that's that's good enough. Um, I mean, that's that's like Robert Covington territory. He's had some seasons where he's higher. He has, he's had some seasons where he's lower. Um, but him, Markel Fultz, um, I, I think now you have to put J.J. Redick back in the starting lineup, right? Um, it's, it's just interesting. They're definitely going to need <laughs> some more shooting, that's for sure. Would you uh, – I'm sorry to throw this in there. Would you do – this is a – it gets a little wild, and they have to wait to look at this. You're Philly. Would you do Chandler, Muscala, Patton, and Furcon for George Hill and Kyle Korver? And let's say you got to include Chicago's another second round pick. Um, you have your own. You have Chicago's. You have TJ McConnell too, who's interesting now because he was already not playing too much and arguably becomes less valuable just because of how many ball handlers they yeah. have. And Cleveland is not set at the point guard position with Sexton. Maybe they'd be interested in having a flyer on McConnell. But you could get into a situation where you do these a four for two thing, and Cleveland's not going to have maybe wouldn't have a problem. They save a little bit of money, could negotiate some buyouts with the expiring guys coming through. I know George Hill's injured right now, but if that's a trade you add, when you look at the non-guarantees of Corver and Hill, you're adding about $5 million in salary for next year, um, or you can keep them. Obviously, I don't think you keep Hill, but would that be a deal that you would consider should you be Philly? It was Chandler, Corkmaz, Patton, and Fultz? No. <laughs> Chandler, Muscala, Patton, and Furkan uh, for Kyle Korver and George Hill. And then you include, you can either replace one of the players yeah. with TJ McConnell, Patton or Furkan, you replace them with TJ McConnell, or you can dangle, let's say, Chicago's second round or even Philly's own second rounder because I don't know, I don't think George Hill, even with that non-guarantee for next year, holds a ton of trade value. And same with Korver. Uh, but again, you could, if it's the Chicago second rounder, uh, I, I think if I'm Philly and Hill is, Healthy at some point, I would consider it. Sorry, Chandler, Corkmaz, Muscala, Patton, and then let's say picks, you know, second round picks or pick. They have Chicago as second rounder this year, Philly does for Corver and George Hill. That's interesting to me. Um, George Hill. I always ap- appreciate you just pretending like my trade ideas are, are considerable. <laughs> or, I honestly think you're like the, the best in the. NBA media landscape at that. 
There's got to um, be a, a position with a team where they just pay someone to like fuck around on the trade machine, and I feel like they should hire both of us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll provide yeah, they, internal podcasts for NBA teams where we spitball trade ideas. They should absolutely hire you for that job. No, we uh, need you too. <laughs> you need me just to bounce the ideas off of. That, that, that'll be my role in that situation. Um, George Hill for th- two or three years now has been like, to me, an almost perfect point guard for the playmaking wing. Um, it worked really well when he was healthy in Utah and playing off Gordon Hayward. I thought it would be a, a slam dunk in Cleveland. It wasn't uh, as much as I thought it would be with LeBron James. Uh, but I, I still haven't given up on that idea of him. It's like he, he's just a solid point guard for today's NBA when so much of offenses are run through wings now. And Ben Simmons is kind of a, you know, he's listed as a point guard, and he is. But he's still, you could say, he's a playmaking wing or a playmaking forward. So you can play him with George Hill. And I think that would be really interesting. And then, obviously, I, I think getting Corbett to Philly um, makes a ton of sense on a lot of different levels. So if they <laughs> – I'm just imagining lineups now <laughs> with Butler, Simmons, Embiid, Hill and Corver. I that's a that's a five man lineup that I think could be really really good. Uh, sign me up. This is this is another trade that you have successfully completed. Do you have any? If, unless you have more to add with the Sixers, do you have anything like thoughts on this for the Timberwolves and to get the cat stuff out of the way? So they've given themselves more wiggle room under the luxury tax this year. Um, I have them in total uh, with all their contracts right now at about a hundred and. million in salary and the tax is 123.7 about so they that's something that they could do if there's a buyout candidate that appeals some later or if they need wiggle room in a future trade um next year's the bigger impact for them though just to me because Sarge still on his rookie deal um Covington is only making 11.3 million and even if Jeff Teague picks up his player option which I think most expect him to do with Cats Max coming in you're still Right now, I have them projected to be more than $10 million under the tax. And so that's going to open up the non-taxpayer mid-level exception for them. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Tyus Jones. They could uh, get more money or more room under the uh, under the tax if, if they kind of get rid of him. If they renounce him, depending on what he comes back on, they would still have the full MLE if he's there. And that's, you know, that's good just because it seems like they want to remain competitive since this wasn't built around future picks really. And the only other thing I'll add is while that helps, they're still not going to have cap space before 2020. And I, you know, Covington is really, he's an all NBA defender and he doesn't dominate the ball. I'm interested to see how his shooting percentages are affected playing in a more clunky Minnesota offense. But one Philly's offense has not been too uh, floor balanced this year. And uh, he also shot pretty well on some really bad Sixers teams. So maybe that's not a concern, but there does seem to be a lack of upside overall in this deal because how much is more is Robert, how much better is Robert Covington going to get? Uh, he's, what is he, 27 now? Is he 28? He's 27, turns 28 in December. And yes, they're yes. Sarich, but it just seems like this trade lacks, and I'm not sure they would have gotten a better package. Maybe you like that Miami deal with Richardson, Olenek, and a first better. So maybe there wasn't, better options. I just don't, there seems to be a little bit of a, a lack of upside here. Yeah. One of my first thoughts, um, I think if Richardson was involved, that would have been a better package. Uh, one of my first thoughts when I saw all the messages I missed was, um, 
they had an offer for four first round picks on the table. I think that certainly was better from a long term perspective. I think you're right. Uh, Robert Covington is probably a finished product. He's he's going into his or he's in his age 28 season. Um, and while there are guys who will make some leaps in their 30s, it's it's just not super common. Uh, he's a contract though. Yeah, it's a good contract, and I think he's probably from a fit perspective makes more sense next to Wiggins and Towns than Butler did maybe at this point just because he's he's a guy who's going to be more willing to play off of Carl Anthony Towns and uh I mean certainly not how I would do it but it seems to be Thibodeau's thing to have people play off Andrew Wiggins um <laughs> but Covington I guess makes more sense in that regard um how old is Dario Saric? I'm looking that up too. He's in his age 24 season, so he's actually a little bit older than I thought he was too. Not not that he's old. He might still have another two or three years of development. I, I I'm really curious to see what Thibodeau does with him. There's there's almost no chance he's going to start him over Taj Gibson, just knowing what we know about Tom Thibodeau over the last couple of years. Um, I don't know if you with. I want to see the lineup with him at the four, Covington at the three. I guess Wiggins is your two, and then Teague is your one. With Towns in the middle, though, you, you almost kind of need Gibson in the starting lineup, maybe, yeah, which is something you might have never thought you'd hear me say. But <laughs> I'm I'm worried that he's just going to play Dario Saric like he did Nemanja Bjelica last year. He's getting uh, fired if that happens before the season is over. <laughs> well, I think you or you or I both might have thought he'd be fired by now with some of the stuff that's gone on over the last couple of years, but. I thought they'd wait till the end of the year, but if he just does, if he underutilizes these guys, I mean Sarge in particular, he is he's like almost the upside of this deal, though. I know but you it, just said he's twenty four, but he's maybe you get to see him. I mean, one of the benefits is he should be able to play up. It gets more shots for Town just because he's been the past two seasons just not even a kind of ball dominant. But maybe yeah, he's also able to explore more of his you know self sustaining offense in Minnesota at times. Yeah, they they've got to go back to. Um, <laughs> the way that they played through him before Jimmy Butler got here. He still had a really good season last year, but his, his dip in uh, field goal attempts was just crazy to me. He went from 18 and 16, 17 down to 14.3 in 17, 18. And this season he's at 14.9. He's got to get back up around like 18 or 19 a game. I think would it really shock you though, if uh, Bielitsa played 20 minutes a game, for the Timberwolves last year. He he like even played some small forward minutes, which was always strange to me. Um, Not even the Kings are doing that with him, by the way. I know. And, and the, he's like unleashed with the Sacramento Kings, which is hilarious because everyone's pointed at the Sacramento Kings as like the symbol of NBA dysfunction for years now. And a guy goes from the Timberwolves to the Kings. And well, he's burning un- the Sixers. <laughs> yeah. Um, just amazing. But I, I wouldn't even be remotely surprised if Dario Saric went there and played that role. Um, <laughs> he plays a, like a few small forward minutes here and there. He's backing up um, Covington and Taj. Um, it just it just wouldn't surprise me, long story short. So I, I think it'll be really interesting to see uh, how this trade plays out for the Timberwolves I think obviously it has a ton to do with with what Tom Thibodeau how, how he plays these guys there's maybe I think maybe in the interim you there's a strong chance I'll say that you could be correct about the Sarge stuff but 
Minnesota's not a playoff team anymore. It's over. They they weren't even a playoff team with Jimmy, it looked like. And I would then, Tom Tiddles, at some, you have to play the youth. I'm not sure if it would go as far as Gibson becoming a buyout candidate because I think that, I don't know if having his early bird rights is too important because he's not getting, I would be shocked if he got $14 million a year on the open market. Uh, but I could see Thibodeau then just being forced to diminish his playing time. And I, I, you have to look at this and say, Sarge is a four, Gibson's coming off the books. I, I, it just, I, I, at some point it has to register. And if it doesn't, that's when I could see just season's already over. They're not going to be the playoffs and Thibodeau gets canned. I honestly thought they would wait until the season to make any real major, uh, end of the season, create any real major decisions. But if this is the package you accept and then you don't give Sarge at least 25 minutes a game, I'm not saying he needs to get 30 like he was in, in Philly. It's going to be tough, especially if he's not starting. But you, I just, I, you can't do that. Um, and I'm not putting it past Tibbs, but you can't. It's just you can't. Well, I hope he doesn't. But uh, like I said, it would not surprise me. Do you know who the biggest winner of this trade is? Um, Towns. Chris Middleton. There oh, was, yeah. There was just like, now, so Jimmy Butler's expected to resign in Philly. Clay Thompson... I know people have kind of gone back and forth with it. I would be really surprised if he left the Warriors. Kawhi Leonard, I think what the Raptors are doing, and there are many who would consider him a flight risk, but what the Raptors are doing is they have the financial edge, and now they've made it so that if he leaves, it's a completely non-basketball decision because they are so damn good. Yeah. And they have the pieces to kind of grow with him. And if you look at those three as likely to return, there are not a lot of other wing options. And with Kevin Durant, a lot of people think it's going to be the Warriors or the Knicks, and maybe you could throw the Nets in there because if I was him, I'd rather play for the Nets, but that's a different story. And now all the Chris Melton was probably a near max to max candidate to begin with. And I'm not saying he's going to leave Milwaukee, but with all these teams getting spurned, unless a bunch of them are going to pivot to absorbing salaries, Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris, those guys are going to get paid. It's not. Mm-hmm. And if Chris Middleton, if you thought he was near max before, he's getting max now, just looking at the landscape. And Tobias Harris, uh, if you thought he was going to get $20 million a year, $22 million a year, that's probably jumped up by at least $5 million a year. Yeah, I think you're right about uh, both of those guys. It'll be really interesting to see how free agency plays out now. Do you think the Raptors can beat the Warriors in a seven-game series? I think they are the closest thing the NBA has to a team that can. I think that's where I am, too. It would be, <laughs> It would be kind of funny if the Raptors just went and won an NBA title this year. That would be spectacular. <laughs> it would be spectacular. I just, there's no, I mean, we kind of gave up at some point last year trying to figure out what Kawhi Leonard was thinking, but I, I can't imagine anybody leaving a title winning team. Especially with, and people point this out, like he can be the guy in not just the Toronto market, but Canada as a country. Yeah. And Toronto is a great basketball city. So it's just I wonder I wonder even if and you're right, uh it seems like they really, really embrace the Raptors. And um I wonder if they even got to the finals and had like a super competitive six game series. Even that you would think would have to cloud the decision. It would I think what would really have to happen is they would have to get destroyed in the Eastern Conference Finals for him to really look at it and say well, we're just not as close to... Because if you reach the NBA Finals, you're almost there. And if you hit on Siakam and Ananobi as they get older, it's just it's, even if you go to the Finals and get beaten in five, and if Kevin Durant leaves, that changes the outlook as well. I think I would pick the Raptors as favorites to 
to keep Kawhi Leonard. I'm not sure I would have said that even when I picked them to come out of the East at the beginning of the season, but they, they've like exceeded every imaginable expectation for me. And for both of us having picked them coming out of the conference, that says a whole lot. Yeah. They look really, really good. Um, and I, I, I hope they stay together with this group. It's, uh, that's a legitimate title contender. Unlike the Sixers, as we pointed out earlier, that's impressive coming from a jazz fan who's, who can be impacted by this, by this (laughs) trade, because if you were hoping to sign Chris Middleton or Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton is basically going to get to pick where he wants to go. And Milwaukee can offer him five years if he's getting max. And if you want to buy his Harris now, you've gone from, oh, maybe get him for 2022 to 25 to max. I had jazz fans in my mentions yesterday. <laughs> astutely, this is, I'm not even poking fun at them, but just bemoaning, like, I was really hoping the jazz could get Chris Middleton, but now it's just like, no, we can't, and I'm sad. <laughs> I'm, like, all in on the uh, Tobias Harris deal. Uh, all of a sudden. Well, or speaking, the speaking of Tobias Harris, let's go to an actual future jazz player. The last thing I want to ask you. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony uh. did, <laughs> did not play against the Spurs on Saturday due to, quote, illness. And then Woj came out with a report that said Anthony and the Rockets are essentially reevaluating his future with the team. They're still trying to work it out, but <laughs> they're not sure if it could work out. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, what he exactly said in his tweet was... While Carmelo Anthony is absent with an illness tonight against the Spurs, the Rockets and Anthony are discussing his role and how they might still be able to proceed together for the rest of the season. Wow. And this, I don't know, was this just Carmelo Anthony seeing that Jimmy Butler isn't going to Miami and thinking, hey, I could get more shots in Miami. I don't, if you're Carmelo Anthony though, and I thought if it was going to work somewhere for Melo, I thought Houston would be it. Um, Houston has been worse than I think anyone could have predicted but it just seems like Melo is that guy, and I feel the same way about Wiggins, who's just not going to be able to could transition into a full-time accessory role. And that's that's a little surprising to me because I thought, just with what we've seen him do in the past and his talent as a scorer, that there would be some potential there. But he's shooting 31.4% on catch-and-shoot threes this year. Uh, he's shooting 29.2% on wide-open threes and the Rockets as a team have been shooting terribly on wide open threes, but it's just, if it's not going to work with Houston, and I know they've been sort of a mess, I don't know where you go. People said the Lakers, that's not any, they don't need him. It's just no. no. Um, and <laughs> Miami, I guess you miss out on Jimmy Butler. You want another shot creator, but I don't want him taking away field goal attempts from Josh Richardson uh, and Rodney Magruder. You have Dwayne Wade doing that already. Um, and so, and Dwayne Wade's been actually pretty good this year, so I shouldn't say it like that. Someone joked about the, uh, I shouldn't say someone, a bunch of people joked about the Warriors on Twitter. My my first reaction was, I would rather them just go out and re-sign Nick Young at this point. Uh, I don't know that's, where he... That's the correct reaction, by the way. Where do you, where could you see him being even a sliver of a fit now? And you were out on him way more than I was to begin with. I just thought in Houston, and maybe their own sort of, I don't want to call it an implosion, but their temporary, their temporary plummet, plunge, whatever... Is is skewing the data a little bit, but I don't. I just don't. I don't look at a team and say Melo can go there and he'll have a positive impact. You might just have to say the Warriors because they're they're the team that seems like they can transcend any trend out there. Oh, Nick Young can't win with Nick Young. No, here he is. He wasn't even great, and we won a title anyway. Um, I think he'd be fine on the Warriors because they just wouldn't play him. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm so, I don't I think literally took a simple word. Just started choking. 
I don't think there's a single team that he can help. At Utah. Point. No, no, no. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> what would you I, do? He gets waived. He goes to Utah because he he decides to pick the actual basketball fit. Then I would just be all in on the Nuggets. Sorry, Utah fans. I think you would understand <laughs> no. if that happened. But like you said, I was skeptical about Melo on the Rockets. I will say that the closest I came to thinking it might work is when I read your NBA math piece about it. And Stop thought, reading me is the lesson of that story. <laughs> I, I thought it made a very, very compelling case that, yeah, maybe this is his chance. It was it was ultimately dependent on Carmelo Anthony and whether or not he was willing to uh, adapt the way that he needed to, to still be a positive player, or even close to a positive player. He obviously hasn't done that. Um, I this this tweet from Woj is just hilarious to me. I don't know how after the last two or three seasons, and I've never, <laughs> I've obviously never been a basketball player at Carmelo Anthony's level, so that's probably why I can't process this. But <laughs> after seeing the way the last two or three seasons have gone, I don't understand how he can still think um, that he's like his 2013 self. Um, and even before all this stuff broke yesterday, I thought there was an outside chance he might not even be in the NBA next season. Because, like I said, I don't I don't see a team in the entire league that he helps. I, I don't know what the point of bringing him in would be for any team. Unless you're the Warriors and you just want to prove a point, <laughs> like you were saying. Um, That's how he needs to go out of the NBA, right? Is he wins his ring and then he could say, oh, I won my championship. I'm done. Yeah. I'm going yeah. out with Wade. <laughs> yeah, I think... If the Warriors picked him up off of a buyout or something and, and he played like 10 minutes every third game, then, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's maybe that's a great swan song for Carmelo Anthony. But he there isn't a single team that he could have like a sizable role on and really help be better. I just I just don't see that team out there. There's I'm not. I, if this is what's happening where he doesn't want to come off the bench and that's what this is about, then. I'm out on the Houston thing, but there was that five game stretch for him where he played okay. I think it was games. Yeah, there were a couple games where I thought, well, maybe it's going to turn around. Games four through eight for them. He started five. Uh, he started two of them. It was a total of five games, and he averaged thirty three point four minutes. Um, and he shot forty nine point three percent from the floor, forty four point four percent from three on seven point two attempts. Maybe there's still a pathway for this team and him. I wouldn't, if it's going to work, I would still pick Houston, but if he's going to leave, I just want him to go to golden state and just the warriors to be like, Hey, if we're going out. If Kevin Durant's going to leave, we're winning a title with boogie and mellow and our culture is just going to be second to none. Uh, as it already kind of is, I would just be, you know, both of us root for chaos. And I'm not sure if that's chaos, but that's definitely to me, the most entertaining outcome of all this, but I'd rather see him, stay in Houston if if anything I'm not I'm going on the assumption that he wouldn't be out of the NBA if he leaves I don't want to see him unless he wants to go to a tanker and just empty his clip and then retire (laughs) I just I don't I don't understand that's a a great sentence um well that would be if you're mellow I said this on Twitter go to the Warriors win a title the next season just sign with a tanker that because Melo still has the name cachet, and we see it with the way people yeah, overrate him. He'd put butts in seats, go play for a tanker that doesn't mind you emptying uh, your clip, and go out averaging twenty five points a game on thirty five shots, and just just retire. I like it. 
Did you mention uh, his plus minus in those five games, by the way? It was an average of 5.8. Houston was two and three during that stretch. Minus 5.8. Yes. Oh, sorry. Minus 5.8. Excuse me. So that's what's funny to me. And yes, he was he was certainly better in that stretch. But um, I don't you know, I think he's still probably capable of having four or five game hot streaks here and there. But he's he just takes so much away from you defensively. Um, he's still basically a black hole um, on offense. He averaged 0.4 assists over those five games. Um, he just, I just don't think he's a helpful player. And I've thought this more and more over the last few seasons that there's, I mean, he's one of the best scorers in NBA history. He has the Olympic legacy, but in the NBA, I feel like I can point to just a handful of teams uh, where he really, really helped a good team be better. I think the 13 looks like the 13, 14 Knicks. Um, looks like that's funny. They weren't a good team. I think it was 2012, 2013 Knicks you're thinking of. Which was good that year, but the Knicks were bad in 2013, 2014. Was it the 2012, 13 team that won 50? Yeah, it was second in the East. And then he got just Roy Hibbert essentially ended his career. Ended Mello's <laughs> career. Roy Hibbert's career was over shortly thereafter too, but, um, yeah, so you're right. The 13-14 team was below 500. 12-13, I think, yeah, they went 54-28 and 28 that year, and he was good that year. Um, him and Chauncey overlapped in Denver, didn't they? I feel like they did. Yeah, for, uh, they were traded together to the Knicks. Yeah, that's right. I, I liked those teams with Chauncey Billups, but he, he was like, Mello was the leading scorer, but I think Chauncey was more of, like the actual leader of that team. And I even looked at some of the early, early Nuggets teams and I thought he he's always had the perception of being the best player on his team. I'm not sure that's ever totally been true, except for maybe that Knicks team that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's been a very, very interesting career. Um, it's kind of sad that it's ending the way that it is, uh, but I just, <laughs> I just don't know if there's any team left. Um, that can take a shot at him. I, I love this this idea that you've posed that he just <laughs> finish out with the Rockets or the Warriors this season and then go to one of the tankers next year. I think that would be fun. He needs to go back to Atlanta and fulfill his destiny. <laughs> I want I want him and Vince Carter starting for the Hawks next season. <laughs> I hope Vince Carter's still in the NBA next year. If he's going to continue dunking. I hope so too. I think I looked something up um, fairly recently. Give me a second. See if I can find it. He's... I think he has a chance to have like the longest career in NBA history if he plays next season. He seems like he just wants the ball. Look at the teams that he signed with the past two years. Yeah. I can't find it. But um I think he's I think he might be closing in on the record for most NBA seasons played. I feel like I looked that up at some point, but uh hopefully I'm not wrong. <laughs> uh, do you have anything to add on, on any of these fronts or do you wanna, you know, uh, I want you to know that your Carmelo Anthony Utah Jazz Christmas jersey is in the mail. Um, I think we have exhausted all topics. Uh, Carmelo Anthony to the Jazz has been over-exhausted. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just having fun with Andy, but I don't know where he would go. If it's, I, I don't, I don't know who would want him. I Honestly, we have a lot of opinions on this podcast. I'm like indifferent to what the market would be. I, I hope it's Golden State if he leaves just for 
just for stuff for us to talk about. And then if they don't win the title, for us to talk about how Melo just ruined their dynasty. That would be pretty They sign Melo midseason, don't win the title, Kevin Durant leaves, DeMarcus <laughs> Cousins bus. <laughs> what would Warriors fans do if Steve Kerr was playing Carmelo Anthony like crunch time minutes in the playoffs? Yeah, the Warriors Twitter can be pretty hard on Steve Kerr. <laughs> so I would be interested to see what that would be like. Yeah, that would be incredible. Um, all right, unless there's anything else, uh, as always, we invite you to uh, yell at us on Twitter. We appreciate being yelled at on Twitter. Um, Dan is at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. Uh, like Dan said at the top of the show, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We're we're everywhere, so there are no excuses not to listen. Um, make sure that you are not just suggesting the podcast or inviting other people to listen. Uh, it's I, I am okay with going over the line into coercion um, and pushing people to listen to it. We would sincerely appreciate that. If you haven't rated and reviewed, do that. Until next time, we leave you with the shout-out to Benno Udry and to undefeated at home, Kyle Anderson. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.